We're coaches united, ain't got time to be divided Won't you get excited, cause in the end you'll be delighted That you took a listen to the voices that you hear Cause it's evident, ain't no division in here Cause we're coaches united, ain't got time to be divided Won't you get excited, cause in the end you'll be delighted That you took a listen to the voices that you hear Cause it's evident, ain't no division in here, see? We wanna thank you for tuning in to the Coaches United Podcast A podcast that has everyone in mind Where everyone's differences are embraced and celebrated. Where we see you, we hear you, and most importantly, we stand with you. What matters to you, matters to us. Este podcast is para toda mi gente. Ahora más que nunca, debemos estar unidos. Y cuando estamos unidos, somos más fuertes. Gracias por estar aquí con nosotros. Las culturas unidas jamás serán vencidas. Yo, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Coaches United Podcast. If you haven't remembered, my name is Mr. B. I'm one of your hosts, and we have my guy Sebastian and my girl Gemma. Why don't y'all say what's up to the people real quick? Hey, como están todos? What's up? Hey, everyone. I'm glad to be back, and we're glad to have Mr. B back with us. Yeah, no doubt. Well, it's certainly good to be back, man, because I missed all of y'all. I missed, I missed all the exciting conversations, but it's a blessing to be here tonight. And so we are jumping right into this episode called The Culture of Introspection and Healing. And we have a very special, very special human joining us tonight. We call him Brother Joe Cotton, and he is the Pastoral Care and Outreach Director of the Catholic, the Catholic Chaplain of the Archdiocese of Seattle. Brother Joe, can you say what's up to the people for us, please? How are you all doing? It's such a pleasure and an honor to be here with the three of you and with all of the listeners. Thank you for having me. No doubt. No doubt, man. It's, a, it's, a, it's really beautiful. It's really uh, because this conversation, introspection, right? When we think of that term, intro, the inner yourself, right? Like understanding self. I tell my scholars this all the time, right? You can, respect starts with you. So when you understand your respect of yourself, you can then transfer that outward. And I'm so glad we have Brother Joe Cotton here to talk to us tonight about his outreach and his ministry and what he does in the community around Seattle. And so introspection and healing. Healing is very important, very important. We have to self-heal in order to grow. And man, this is gonna be a dope conversation. So we hope everybody out there listening tunes in really well and uh, engages thoughtfully with us. So without further ado, I'm just going to turn over the mic to Mr. Joe so he can tell us a little about about himself and what he does. Yeah, well, thank you so much again for having me. Um, Again, I work as the Director of Pastoral Care and Outreach for the Archdiocese of Seattle. Um, And essentially, that's just an umbrella term for a series of outreach ministries that we offer through the Archdiocese. Uh, So some of the programs that I oversee is our immigrant and refugee ministry, um, our mental health and inclusion ministries. Um, Inclusion ministries is about working with um, people and families with various uh, disabilities, either intellectual, physical, or developmental. Um, 
We have um, our criminal justice ministry is one of our big ones where um, I oversee a whole team of chaplains that go into various jails and prisons throughout Western Washington. We're in all nine DOC prisons in Western Washington and we're in um, several, not all, but several county jails and juvenile detention facilities. And I have a whole team that works with me to do that. And we have some other initiatives that we uh, run for the community, some reentry stuff, some restorative justice stuff that we do. Um, and then I also oversee our hospital and healthcare ministry, working with our ministers that go into the various hospitals uh, and healthcare facilities and try and show up for people when they are ill or in the dying process so that their church can be alongside them in those very difficult moments. Um, I oversee a program that provides uh, services to the migrant farm workers up in the in Whatcom County um, and incorporates all of our local youth ministries to go up there and help with that. And I also oversee our Catholic Seafarer ministry where it's actually an ecumenical partnership where we uh, work with several Protestant traditions to go and take care of the ship workers that come into port. Um, and uh, they come in on the bulk carriers and the container ships and the oil tankers and all that stuff. And while they're here at port, we have a whole outreach ministry that um, takes care of them while they're here. Um, so anyway, I just kind of oversee um, those ministries. And um, really, these ministries are all about uh, going to the margins, going to the peripheries of our community um, and showing up to share love, to share hospitality, to share care. Um, and again, with today's topic, to really provide an opportunity to nurture healing, especially when we're working with people incarcerated in our various facilities or people in our hospitals, um, you know, or immigrants who have been through um, such trauma or our families that are struggling with mental health difficulties. Um, so much healing is needed. And I think uh, my team becomes a a mediator of sorts to help mediate that healing. Not that the healing is coming from us, but I think something from beyond us is mediated through us when we encounter people in these situations. And really what we're trying to do is develop kinship and mutuality with people in the margins. And we're trying to eliminate the very margins existence just by virtue of showing up and being there. Wow, man. With all of that being said, y'all, I was just thinking this guy is like super busy, right? Because you're heading so many, you're overseeing so many departments and so many aspects of community uh, concern. And it's just a beautiful thing. And so uh, prayerfully, man, that you have the energy uh, every day to continue to do it for many years to come. So thank you for expressing all the things that you do uh, in service to the community. That, that's, yeah, that, that's not it, though. That's uh, not it. Joe, Joe actually has been a big, has taken a big part in, um, you know, being part of the Coaches United family. You know, he, he's been there since the wow. beginning. He's okay. been there since the beginning, supporting the organization, supporting the movement um, and the soccer team. And he's actually became the mission and service, service coach for this for the soccer team so wow. basically, you know he's he's another coach for the soccer team another form of support to those guys that represent us that represent the coaches united movement through the soccer team you know so yeah he, uh, he I, he's I, he's like a superman he's all over the place and yeah uh, no doubt not, not to no mention doubt. the ways not to mention the ways that he shows up for for other people and it's, it's amazing so. No doubt, man. Well, that's that's beautiful. Um, so as you were talking, Joe, you know, I like to take take notes in a moment. And um, 
there's a question about the mental health outreach that you you know referenced. And when you think about uh, the pandemic timeframe since you know 2019 till currently, even though it's starting to subside a little bit, um, we have have you seen an influx you know of mental health cases you know uh, and mental health concerns in your arena since the pandemic? What has that been like for you and your team? Yes, most definitely. We have seen a spike. We've seen a spike in, um, uh, you know, anxiety and depression and um, folks that are dealing with the new forms of isolation and loneliness that they haven't experienced before being separated from colleagues, you know, or not being able to go into work like normal uh, because jobs went away, all kinds of things. And that has that has certainly uh, contributed to increased mental health issues and a lot of our families reaching out for extra help and support. Um, and then of course it has made it exceptionally challenging to try and figure out how to show up for them when we're being encouraged you know, to distance and <laughs> do things over computers instead of in person and things like that. So it's made it hard. So we've tried to find as many ways as we could to stay connected with people and to provide trainings and resources and referrals and all kinds of things. But we've definitely seen that spike that the pandemic has contributed to for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would imagine because as an educator, it's the same kind of thing. Right. And um, so I, I just want to ask a follow up with that really quickly regarding um, the resources that are available. Right. From the spiritual component. Right. Because I, I'm just really curious, Joe, and if you can answer this for me, please, I would appreciate it. But I'm really curious about uh, are, do you ever get any pushback from uh, a secular mindset, if you will, that says, oh, you know, you're trying to convert or you're trying to manipulate or you're trying to do these things when you're really sincerely trying to be a servant. Can you speak to that? Yeah, I, we haven't encountered that. We haven't encountered any pushback um, in, and we partner with a lot of secular entities um, mm. to complete our work and we haven't experienced much of that. But I think a lot of that has to do with how we show up, right? And right. making sure that we show up in a way that is authentic and mm. it's grounded in who we are, right? Like we show up, um, you know, as, as for us as Catholics and, and part of that belief structure, but um, we want to show up and meet people where they're at. We're not mm. interested in trying to get people to become like us mm. uh, or to convert to us. If, I mean, if that's something that someone authentically feels called to great, but it's not our, that's not our primary agenda. Our agenda is about accompaniment. Our agenda is um, uh, being a listener showing up and just being present to people and accompanying people in those difficult journeys. Um, and so I think when people realize that we don't have that kind of a, that agenda that you kind of alluded to, uh, then we don't really receive the pushback. Um, mm. And then we can really partner across the board and really make some good things happen and, and um, share resources and uh, help people and support people. Well, I, I, I love that, Joe, because, um, you know, when you think about, like we talked about before the show started, the, the, the scripture of, you know, you, they're known by the fruit they bear, right? And so when you say that, it's how we show up. I wrote that down, how we show up, yeah. right? Your, your love will cover a multitude, right? Because you're there for the purpose to show love and be sincere. And I think that's really beautiful. It doesn't matter Hinduism, Judaism, you know, Catholicism, Christianity. It's how you show up right? It's your intentions. And man, that's beautiful. Um, and I'm just blessed by the fact that you said that because I wrote that down. 
how we show up. So how are you showing up? How listeners, <laughs> how are you showing up? Right? Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. I, okay. I think, I think the one thing that I wanted to say to that is like the beautiful thing about religion, regardless of what religion you're from, I think that is just ha like having some something, somebody, something there for you, you know? Mm. I think that's what it represents for me. I think that, you know, once again, going back to the community, you know, the, 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 uh, the aspect of community, you know, just having uh, people there show up for you, you know, so that you, you're not alone, you know? And I think that um, right now during the pandemic, obviously has been a tough thing, you know, for people that felt alone, some kind of isolation form, but, you know, religion, just like knowing that there's a God there for you and knowing that there's other people that can be there for you, you know, through religion, through, through whatever, you know? So like, I love that, you know, how are we showing up for one another? Like, like right. let's put aside the religion name and like, think about that you know how are we showing up for one another because at the end of the day i think that's what it what it comes down to is you know all right can, no doubt. are we not we're not feeling alone you know so no doubt that's all that that's all that really matters um and so you know we do we do have slated questions i, I like to come off the cuff a lot you know in the moment but um i i love this because i actually thought of myself believe it or not brother joe as a, a life coach because that's what i call myself right? I, my my attitude is to coach you through life because I never neglect the, the trauma that I've experienced because there was a purpose for my trauma, right? And like we talk about introspection and healing, mm -hmm. I've learned the reality of my trauma is to support others through it, right? Mm -hmm. Because everybody's dealing with something. And if I would have neglected the fact that I dealt with things, I wouldn't be able to support someone. So I embrace the trials and tribulations that I endure because I know there's a purpose. So can you talk to the people listening and in in, in, in us about what is exactly that you do as a, a life coach? What does that entail? Yeah. And this was something, this was very early on in my career where I did this um, training to become a certified life coach. Um, and I still carry that, that title today. And I, I have a private practice um, as a life coach, although admittedly, it's, it's kind of, it's very much a side endeavor for me. Mm -hmm. um, but essentially for me, um, uh, when I was being trained in, in, in life coaching, my understanding of that particular practice was that is about um, eliciting the wisdom from another. Um, and, you know, I think I started very early in my career, I was working in like group homes with at-risk youth coming out of detention and in foster care. And I did a lot of lecturing. I did a lot of listen here, young man, and let me tell you how it is and um, talking at people. Uh, the coaching process taught me to um, shut up and listen mm. um, and to realize that I was not the solution or the answer, or I was not there to fix anything for the people that I was serving at that time. Coaching flipped it for me and taught me that they are whole, resourceful and capable, that they have everything within them already um, to achieve their goals, to heal their wounds, to succeed in life in the way that they want to, you know, achieve their goals. And so coaching is just about creating a process for people to access their own wisdom. Mm. And you're just eliciting that from them. You're creating a process to get them to gain clarity about their situation, uh, to be able to name their goals, their desires, their deepest wants, um, 
And then for them to look for needs in the world that match those talents, those abilities, those interests, those passions that they have. Um, and all you're doing is creating a process for someone to kind of develop their own plan, their own action plan for themselves. But everything they need is already within them. And I think you were speaking some incredible wisdom uh, related to um, trauma and pain and suffering and difficulty. And that certainly plays out not only in the, the life coaching relationship, but it most certainly plays out in the work that we're doing in chaplaincy and encountering people in jails and prisons and hospitals. Talk about you know encountering people with tremendous trauma, tremendous pain and suffering. And... Um, and the reality is, is again, whether I'm acting as a life coaching practitioner or as a chaplain, the same reality is happening. Whereas if we're not careful, and you spoke to it beautifully, um, that we have a tendency to um, transmit our pain, transmit our suffering. So I like to quote a Franciscan priest, Richard Rohr, who said, suffering not transformed will always be transmitted. Mm. And you look at the state of the world, um, in everything that's going on in the world, in our communities and within ourselves, it, you can trace it to that reality that pretty much all of our ills, all of the problems are related to that phenomena of suffering being transmitted. Um, and, you know, when I talk to youth groups and stuff about this, I talk about, think about when you're driving and somebody cuts you off in traffic. <laughs> and what are some of the immediate reactions that most of us slip into in that moment? And so the mm. kids start saying, oh, I flip them off. I lay on the horn. Some choice language might fly out of them. You know, I said, OK, so let's break that down and look at what's happening. Essentially, what's happening in that, you know, micro example is that a form of suffering is making an appearance in your life, albeit in a very minor way. And, uh, and how are we reacting to it when we flip mm. off or land the horn? We're transmitting that suffering. We're taking mm. the suffering that, that comes into our life and we're passing it on. We're putting more suffering into the world. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so if that happens on a micro level and that happens on a macro level, we look at our entire criminal justice system. What are we doing? Someone has caused harm or has brought suffering or trauma and our system is designed to transmit that trauma to say, okay, you cause harm to us, we are going to cause harm to you, and we're going to throw you away in a human dumpster, and we're going to treat you like garbage. And, and essentially, all we're doing is falling into that same trap of transmitting our suffering. Right. And for a nine. Yeah. And, and life coaching and the core of my faith would say the opposite, that it's about how do we transform suffering? And that's what I heard you talking about, Mr. B. Like, I need to befriend my wounds. I need to draw close to my trauma. I need to understand it, know it, feel it, get really close to it, because only then can I transform it. And I would even say that, it, that that's not something that we can do on our own, that that is a, a that process is supernatural. It's beyond ourselves, that we've got to mm. take that to whatever our higher power is, because that to me is the only thing that is big enough and strong enough to, um, you know, to overcome suffering um, and to therefore transform it. And then from there, we can start producing goodness. So the examples I use there are look at what, um, look at what trees are doing every single day. They're, they're absorbing carbon. 
which is a toxic substance. You know, that's the metaphor for the suffering making an appearance. And a mm. tree will do something very interesting. It will absorb it into its root system, which is connected to something deeper than itself. It will transform that carbon, a toxic, deadly substance, and it will produce oxygen, which is life-giving. Mm. So to, to me, nature itself is mapping out the way. Wow. Um, and that is, that is fundamentally, you know, just drawing from my own Christian tradition, that's fundamentally what the cross is. You know, yes. the, the cross is essentially a whole lot of suffering and trauma that's coming into this dude's life in enormous quantities. And the people at the time are even, they're taunting him to do the transmission thing. And they're saying like, hey, if you're really who you say you are, strike us all down, get back at us, transmit your pain, put more, right. you know, do the human thing that we're all doing. And the crux of the whole Christian message is, no, that's, that's uh, the, the gospel. What the reason the cross is our very symbol is it's about transforming that suffering into new life. So here we have a guy who all this suffering's coming into his existence. He's taking it to God, who's transforming it, giving it back to him. And what is he doing? He's producing care for the people around him. He's taking care mm -hmm. of the guy on the cross next to him. He's looking to his friends to say, hey, can you take care of my mom for me? He is producing goodness, love. Wow. He's using the suffering through God as fodder to produce goodness. And that's what you were talking about. And that's, that's the core of what, why I'm in the work that I do is to help facilitate that process of transforming our suffering, turning it into something good, into love, lest it just be transmitted and on and on and it gets spread. And you pick up any newspaper and you're going to see examples of that, you know, nonstop. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Go ahead, Gemma. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I just wanted to say, like, I really appreciate also like the use of metaphors for me. That's really helpful in just like learning, but also application of theory and concepts into my own life. And really like how you illustrated it helped me imagine what it would be like to, as you said, like befriending wounds and really mm -hmm. taking that inside yourself. And, you know, in the words of introspection thinking, okay, like what, what's my position in this problem or in this challenge in my life? And like, how can I practice acceptance and also practice um, forgiveness and move on with that, but also see where I can translate that in a positive way in my life, because it's always gonna be an experience that's a part of me and a part of who I am. Um, I wanted to also go a bit deeper into what you were saying um, with the practice and ask you, what, what would that look like? So if you're with your client, um, how have you initiated the practice of introspection um, to help facilitate the empowerment and healing of your clients? So if I was a client of yours, for example, what, what would that conversation look like? Yeah, so the, the number one things that I'm doing either, again, either as a chaplain or, or a life coach, um, my number one thing is I need to create safe space for you. Um, so I need to make sure. So again, this goes back to how do we show up, right? So I need to show up in a way where I'm not bringing judgment to anything that you might say or any of your experiences. Um, I need to create a safe space by getting myself out of the way and any notion that I know better than you or that I am on some higher plane than you or like I need to get, get my ego and all that stuff out of the way my judgments, my preconceived notions, all of it, so that I am showing up completely authentic, completely open, completely without judgment. And all that I am doing is creating 
a space for you to be real and, and a space hopefully that produces the environment needed for you to draw close to your wounds. Now our wounds, that's, um, I, I mean, it, to use more metaphors, that's like, you know, approaching a deer in the woods, right? You, you, you go too fast or too hard, that deer's gone, right? And so um, you've got to approach them gently and with tenderness. And so my job is to try and somehow create a space that's safe enough for you to approach your own wounds. And, and that means that the main tools that I'm deploying are just listening and presence, being present to you. Um, getting my own agenda out of the way, whereas the only agenda on the table is not mine, but your agenda. And then that allows you the opportunity to maybe start sharing some stories connected to your traumas or connected to your sufferings or your pains. And then my job is to um, not fall into the trap that many of us in helper professions fall into, where we want to fix it. And we want to get into fix it mode and we want to start giving you advice or telling you, oh, did you, did you ever try this? Or did you ever try that? Or did you ever think about this? Um, so part of the craft is, is not going there, but instead my role becomes to be a giant mirror to you, um, to name feelings that I am um, hearing in your story, to reflect back to you um, your story in a way that you can experience your story differently, such that you can have a better understanding of what you're even going through. Um, and by virtue of doing that, that in and of itself is healing as that that kicks the blinders off a little bit. You start looking at your own story in a different way. You start having that self-understanding of your wounds and your story in a different way. Um, and when you have that increased clarity, that different view that, that, you know, someone being that mirror for you can, can help establish, well, now you get to move into the world differently because you have a different uh, understanding now. You can maybe make different choices now. You can um, uh, do things in a different way or not to mention that I think just the process of, of being vulnerable with someone and, and telling your story that that in and of itself cuts burdens in half. Um, and, and by virtue of I'm entering into that experience with you for a little while and, and, and I'm taking it on empathically and just experiencing what it is, what it's like to be in your shoes. And when you have someone in your midst that can, that's in it with you and is feeling it with you and, um, uh, that, that very naturally cuts the burden in half because you're not carrying it all by yourself in that moment. And the, the converse is true also, that if you're sharing joy and happiness, then I'm empathically entering into that and I'm amplifying the joy um, and amplifying the happiness, we're doubling the joy. Um, and so that's, that is in essence what chaplaincy really is, um, is creating that safe space to cut the burdens in half or to double the joys, but allowing you to very tenderly approach your deepest, most real, most authentic self and having someone there with you to facilitate that introspection and that healing. Yeah, that's, um, Joe, thank you so much for that uh, perspective because I often say when I taught health for three years at, at the previous school and we would, we would talk about in our social emotional unit about the, the very beginning, the foundation of you know anything that you deal with is is yourself right because hurt people hurt people right? right and if you've never 
come to an understanding within yourself that, like you said, this is this is the transmission of of things uh, because of the trauma that you've experienced it, you know, and especially with youth. Right. It's so challenging because they don't they're always in their stem part of the brain instead of their thinking because it hasn't formed yet. So they don't understand rationale. They're always in fight, flight or freeze. And so when we think about the youth perspective of that whole component of her, well, they did it to me, so I got to do it to them. And it's like, well, you know, let let me model this for you so you don't grow, continue to grow in this hurt that you're in to continue to hurt people. So when you think about like your your work with youth and um, the trauma that you may have seen with them, what are some of the things that you can tell the listeners about how to you know interact with a youth that is filled with anxiety and all they you know because I know scholars that you know shut down and there's nothing that I'm going to get out of them until they you know come out of that state. So, what would you say to individuals that are dealing with a struggling youth? Well, I think for myself, what I, when I, whenever I'm working with young people, m- my biggest thing is, is that, again, it comes back to how are you showing up? Mm. And for me, the name of the game with young people is authenticity. Mm. Young people can smell out inauthenticity so quickly. And, um, and so, um, so for me, um, I have to kind of know my story, my background, like, you know, here I am a, uh, a middle-aged privileged white guy who grew up in the gritty streets of Edmonds. And, you know, <laughs> and the reality is, is I'm working um, with uh, uh, young people, particularly young people of color, young people who have been through trauma and poverty and racism and, um, you know, mental health challenge. I mean, young people who have been through stuff that I can't possibly know at the level that they know it. Right. Mm. And so if I try and pretend as if I somehow can comprehend that or know what that's like, that's silly. I'm I'm a privileged middle-aged white guy. Um, And so what, but the reality is, is that that doesn't mean that I'm not helpful in that situation. It just means I have to show up authentically. I Mm. am a giant dork. And I love that about myself. And so when I show up authentically, and so this, I spent years as a chaplain in King County Juvenile Detention. And and that's how I showed up as, as um, I showed up as a square, as a dorky white guy. And when, if you're, if you were locked up in juvenile detention, the one thing that they were the most afraid of than anything on this planet was being a square. And then here I was owning it like, oh no, I'm a total square and I own it. And um, you know, I'm a dork and, um, and the, and I show up as who I am from where I'm from, not trying to, uh, you know, uh, be a different way to try and be accepted by them or anything like that. You know, I'm just showing up authentically as who I am. And then the role becomes to encounter them and to encounter their realities and their stories and their traumas and to just be open to that and and to allow that to penetrate my heart to broaden my understandings of things and and you know and again that that's where mutuality and kinship comes in right where where i'm not becoming um you know as if i came from their background but i am connecting with it there, there is a mutuality there we're sharing in something even though we come from very different backgrounds and so that's the biggest thing I, I encourage is just to you know show up authentically 
and meet them where they're at and be who you are. And then the rest kind of works itself out. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that um, wholeheartedly because, you know, being in the education, um, they you're right. Youth can tell who's sincere and who isn't. And I think that's the missing component, the true sincerity, right? Whether you've been through it or you haven't, it's sincerity that that is necessary. Again, that's how are you showing up? And it's so important because um, I, I speak to my scholars and I always tell them when we first meet that I don't exist without you, right? So I'm invested in you, right? And they, they come with so much, right? Like I'm dealing with scholars right now that uh, their confirmation is, you know, somebody telling them what you know, that self-fulfilling prophecy about themselves, right? Like they are, you are stupid or you are this or you are that, right? They, that's their confirmation. But with me, I greet them with positivity. I greet them with joy. I greet them with, like we talked about earlier, the fruit of the spirit, which is love and unwavering, unconditional. I don't, I'm not looking for nothing from you, right? In return, I just want you to know that you are loved and you are needed. And I'm going to love you past this scenario that you're facing right now. Um, and so that leads me to this, you know, impromptu question. Uh, do you ever feel a sense of weariness, right? When there is just like this, um, this darkness that you have to, you know, traverse. Do you ever get weary? Do you ever get downtrodden? Because I'll be straight up honest, Joe, uh, the other day, I didn't have a terrible day. I never have terrible days, but I had a day where my spirit was dejected because of the negativity. Mm. And I asked myself, why do I care so much? Why do I take on so much of the concern when nobody else is doing it? Right. Um, and I'll tell you my answer that I received in my spirit after you respond to that. So what about your weariness? What's what's your self-help remedy? Yeah, I appreciate that question. The answer is yes, I do get wary. Um, mm. And I and I do um, have moments where it's very tempting to kind of succumb to the darkness that's around us. I, I, there's a couple of things. I have a personal practice, uh, spiritual practice that I engage in that helps me with that. But the other thing too, is just recognizing that um, darkness and evil and all of the horrible stuff that's around us, the reality is that doesn't have more power. It just has a better PR director. Mm. Um, and, and, and the reality is, is the light and love and goodness is so much more powerful and it's, there's so much more of it. It just doesn't, it has terrible PR. We don't know about all of the amazing uh, realities of goodness and light and love and amazingness that happens in big ways and in tiny ways. I mean, you think about all families everywhere and every household around the planet and tiny little acts of sacrifice or love that parents are doing for their children everywhere, or brothers for sisters, or, you know, things that nobody sees. Uh, the, the truth of the matter is, is the life and love and goodness is so much bigger. And darkness just has better PR. That's what's in the news. That's what we hear. And so it creates the illusion mm. that the darkness is advancing or the darkness is winning. And it's not true. And so the way that I stay grounded, I think, in that truth is through my own practice. And so my prayer practice is um, contemplative prayer. And it's, that's basically Christian meditation. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it is my practice of prayer is taking 20 minutes a day and sitting in complete silence. Um, and my understanding of God is that silence is God's primary language. Mm. And, and my job is again, and, and so it's like, um, you know, what, again, what I'm trying to put in practice as a chaplain, listening it, and presence, I'm trying to just put myself in the presence of God and shut up and just listen and just be present or just be held by the God that is the source of everything and is behind all of that love and goodness that's going on invisibly all over the planet in tremendous quantities, right? And just soak myself in that reality. Um, And that practice I have found to be healing and transformative for me, because that is what befriends my own trauma or um, starts to heal it, um, starts to connect me with that which is bigger than any trauma or suffering. Um, connecting me with that reality um, of goodness and love and how it's already prevailing in ways we don't know. That's how I try on some level to connect with. Now, am I always successful? Absolutely not. I mean, half the time I, you know, it's hard for me to sit still and my monkey brain is going crazy and, (laughs) you know, so I'm just as human as everybody else and struggle with that. But that is my, uh, my practice, right? My attempted way to stay grounded in truth so that um, that I can move into the world from that place and not from a place of woe or weariness. Right, right, right. Well, uh, Brother Joe, thank you for that perspective because, you know, again, um, when, my, when I was feeling that way, because my mantra is, you know, why complain, right? There's always something to gain, right? And so I, I very seldom complain about was going on because there's a purpose. This is just my belief that there's a purpose for everything that's taking place. But I was feeling because this one scholar is just like, you know, they feel so defeated and I'm pouring into them life and love and they're just combating it with negativity. And it just frustrated me so tremendously. Um, And so when I got to my quiet place, you know, I was crying out in my prayer. um, And in that listening moment, you know, I heard my God say to me that that's why I created you. Mm. I created you to have this. You've endured, like I said earlier, you've endured those traumas, those stressors in your life so you can be compassionate. And if you remove the compassion, then who's going to do what you do? Mm -hmm. Right? So that understanding just kind of shut me up, right? Because I'm like, well, I, that, that's my purpose. My purpose is to be compassionate where there is no compassion. It's to be patient where there is no patience, you know? And so, but I was so in myself because I'm like, how could this person, this little human being negate everything that I'm trying to do for them? So I took it, my flesh overwhelmed my spirit, right? And so I got lost in the egotism of this is Mr. B. Everybody likes Mr. B, right? And, but when I had a chance to step back and I cried out and I listened, he said, what are, what are you going to, you going to quit? You're going to stop being what I created you to be? So keeping that in perspective is, again, surmising it with how are we showing up? 
how are we showing up? So brother Joe, thank you for that perspective because this shows your humanity and your reality that you do get weary, but every day is a new day. So thank you for that answer. I really do appreciate you. Gemma? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wanted to add on too, like I appreciate both you, Joe and Mr. B. I know I've like already learned so much listening to you on this episode and then Mr. B like just working with him. And I think that my biggest institution of learning has always been conversation. And that's what I've been most receptive to and what I've enjoyed the most and where I've grown the most. And um, even, even introspection, just talking about that and talking, hearing you, Joe, explain how when you talk to other people, it's more a mirroring of feeling and then it's resonating with someone's emotions and experiences and sitting with them in that and sharing that. And I think that made me reconsider what introspection is because I really had thought of it in a more selfish sense when it's me and myself and I can solve problems myself and do things all by myself. And in the past, that's definitely not been the case. Every time I've gotten through a challenging time or changed my perspectives or learned new lessons, it's always been with other people. Whether they've just listened or whether they've given me like advice, that's really helped me. But um, yeah, and I think also like coming into something authentically is so difficult and confusing sometimes because I also misperceive it as going into something as who you want to be. And that's not necessarily authentic. And from the way that I experience community too, I often want to like jump in and like belong and jive with the people. And like Mr. B was saying, like be someone that everybody likes and gets along with and stuff. But if that's not authentically who you are, then people are gonna know that too. So it makes things a lot more challenging, but introspection can be one of the ways that you can, that I can approach that in the future for sure in my life. And when I go into new communities as well. Um, so I wanted to apply that to you though, Joe, uh, and ask you like, in what ways have you personally benefited from your role as a certified coach or a Catholic chaplain? Um, and is there anything that you've learned from your clients uh, by doing this work? Yeah, I think in terms of, um, well, in terms of the, the people that I have encountered and have had the honor of journeying alongside them, um, uh, what I have experienced from them or learned from them is um, what real courage looks like. Um, and, and I think that um, when you're with, again, when you're with people who are courageous enough to be in your presence and become a little vulnerable and share about their pains, their difficulties, their traumas, to let the tears fall down, to let the snot come out, like it's a mess. Um, and who of us has the courage to approach our wounds in that way? And um, I think sometimes, uh, especially those of us who um, are, are comfortable or who have a lot of privilege, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking of myself, <laughs> um, it, is, it is harder to have that kind of courage and to approach wounds. And I, I have going into our jails and prisons and juvenile detention centers, I have witnessed people who um, don't have the luxury of that comfort, don't have the luxury of that privilege, and therefore have the courage to approach their woundedness and to rely on 
something beyond themselves for dear life in a way that I perhaps think I don't have to because I'm in a very comfortable, privileged position. And so they have modeled for me courage and what it, you know, what, because wow, how can I be like them? So when I think of that scripture passage where Jesus is like, you know, uh, criminals and prostitutes are getting into heaven before you. That's what I hear him talking about, that these are people who, that know that they need something beyond themselves, that they rely on it in a different way. And, and they model that, that courageous, that, that approaching. I, um, I long to be as strong as they are, as they embrace their vulnerability and their weakness. That's real strength. That's real womanhood and manhood. That is, uh, I, I aspire to that. So by, by virtue of being in relationship and in that mutuality, they help to give me strength and courage. Wow. I, I, I love I loved that, um, you know, we're having this conversation in regards to the transparency of, you know, if we will, uh, your trauma, because in those situations, I mean, it's, you have no other choice, right, to express because you know it's bigger than you, that you, you need something bigger than you, right? And so um, I've learned that, and I, I think just to you know, kind of put it in perspective, because Brother Joe, you made me think about a lot uh, in our conversation so far um, about where did I get this this boldness from to be so transparent um, with my experiences? And I think it just comes from knowing that when I came to the understanding of knowing God in my life, right? It was no longer about me or my sufferings or the things I endured because I knew uh, when I came into that realization that there was gonna be somebody who needed a different perspective, a different lens to view that very same trauma or that very same pain from. And so over the course of my young life, I've been able to talk to people about the experiences and get them to share because I was vulnerable enough to share and willing enough to expose, right? Like to just strip metaphorically naked before them and to say, you know what? Here is how doing so impacted me, right? Because I love what you said. It's not about fixing that. I, I learned that a long time ago. I'm not trying, no, I, no, that's not my responsibility, right? Because that only adds more harm, right? Because now it's no longer about you, it's about me. Mm -hmm. Right. But I like to paint a picture of my experience and then sit, like you said earlier, sit with you and yours and just wait for you to reveal. And now we can walk together in our trauma yes. because we're one now. Yes. Right. Yes. And I, I just think that's beautiful, Joe. And I hope I really do. I'm getting chills in my body right now. Right. Because that's what we do here at Coaches United, man. We talk about whatever is under the sun because we know our listeners are tuning in to the beautiful conversation that we just had. So uh, I am blessed, man, by, by what you've offered tonight, your perspectives, your wisdom. Um, and I, I just wanted to let you be known that I appreciate you. To, to come back to the show, to have this conversation, I wasn't expecting it to be this way. I'm telling you, I thought it was gonna go a whole different direction, Joe. But um, 
that's, think it's beautiful, man. So, that's, thank you so much. Show, that just goes to show, you know, that our, our episodes, what we're what we're doing here is this is very organic. You know, we're just having organic conversations. And that's right. They can go anyway. So um, I, I I want to say one thing, you know, I, I know that there's going to be listeners out there that are going to be connecting with this conversation. I, I'm mm. going to admit for the most part, I was I was trying to be involved, but I was quietly listening to you guys because mm. I was learning a lot from it. And um, one thing that I um, I really want to encourage, um, like those people that really take on uh, the task of being there for others, to take care of yourselves too, you know? Because mm. there's a lot, there's a lot sometimes coming at you, like just walking next to somebody. Um, and I, I'm gonna say that for myself too. I gotta, I gotta remind myself better too. You like self care, self care is important for yourself yeah. too, you know, so that you can continue to help others. You know, just be, be, be in a good place so that you can help continue to help others. You know, so um, and I appreciate you guys, man. Everybody, like, wow, like so many words of wisdom. I was over here taking mental notes on a lot of this thing. So uh, yeah, I appreciate you. Yeah, man. Um, you, you just hit it on the head because again, I had, I talked to our school counselor, you know, um, we're forming a relationship where we could just kind of have these in-depth conversations. Um, and that's what I kind of expressed after I said what I said earlier about, you know, feeling why, do, why do I care so much? And, you know, earlier today, she gave me a resource about, you know, self-care, right? It, it went by like things you can do because people always make excuses. I'm one of them. Oh, I don't have time to do that, right? Because I'm a servant. I've been called to serve, right? But I always tell my scholars, you're no good to anybody if you're no good to yourself, right? So how can you help somebody and be the best you can be for someone else if you're not the best you can be for yourself first, right? And so she gave me this list and it like went things that you can do in, you know, five minutes, things you can do in 30 minutes, things you can do in an hour, things you can do in a day, things you can do in a week, right? So it just kind of progressed with this laundry list of items that you can do to provide self-care for yourself. And the one that resonated with me the most was like Brother Joe mentioned, that meditation, yep. that quiet time, right? You could call it whatever I call it, prayer, right? But you can call it whatever you like to call it. But I think that centers you within yourself right brother joe can you speak to that i i, I can't say it better than you just did that's exactly right <laughs> and it's i think it's it's grounding ourselves in that which is beyond ourselves centering us in that because whatever that reality is i call it god um it it that is the source of the transformation right mm. that is that is that if i don't center in that then i'm gonna get i'm gonna get myself into trouble. And so that's good as a self-care thing, both for me as a practitioner, uh, but also for all of us across the board, uh, just in terms of centering ourselves in that reality and in that groundedness. And then how does that affect every action that we take and every choice that we make throughout the day? And boy, if everybody on earth was doing that, this world would look very different. Yeah, <laughs> so very different. If you want to know how to change the world, start doing a practice like that. There you go. Yeah. Right. There you go. Like the, the quote the other day was, uh, cause I read quotes to my scholars every day and it was, you know, Mahatma Gandhi's uh, famous quote of be the change you want to see. Yeah. Right. And so I, I said to them that the change is within you. So you can't expect someone else to do what you are capable of doing. 
right. right? Because it starts within you. So be the change within yourself that you desire to see. So if you don't like people calling you names, then don't call anybody names, right. right? Don't don't reverberate that negative energy, right? Meet it with positivity. So um, I, I think that's beautiful. Um, and I'm just, again, I'm blessed. Uh, Jimma, did you have one final question for Brother Joe? Yeah, it's just kind of... Um an action oriented question, but I did want to add to like, I, a lot of what we've talked about resonates with me a lot and everybody in this podcast, like as he's involved in Cultures United and Mr. B and Sebastian and everyone is always such a massive support. And I think like having this podcast going throughout the pandemic and like even throughout the last few years, it's been such a enriching and um, empowering part of my life. So I just appreciate you all so much. And um, yeah, I'm wondering uh, how listeners can get a bit more involved. I have this directed to the uh, pastoral care, or I, I'm going to say this wrong, Archdiocese? Archdiocese, yeah. Archdiocese <laughs> of Seattle. Um, or just like any resources you might recommend for like general well-being sure. or how people can get involved in them. Um, well, let me, let me wrap up um, uh, first just by saying um, I, I imagine that there is going to be someone out there tuning into this podcast and hearing this conversation. And it may be touching um, your own wound, your own trauma, your own um, source of suffering and pain. And so I just want to reach out to you through your device, through this podcast, and to just say that there is healing available, there is light, there is, and the way to access it is to find that safe place that I, um, I, I'm just one of many, many, many people, uh, including all, all three of you and many, many others who are producing safe space and those mirroring conversations of listening and presence and non-judgment. There is so much of that out there. And so I'm reaching out through the podcast to saying that if you to say if you haven't had a chance to approach someone in that vulnerable way that Mr. B was talking about, um, um, to let your story be known, find that trusted person, um, whether it's a family member, a coach, uh, a chaplain, a counselor, a parent, a find that person that can produce that safe space and start to tell that story, start to approach your own woundedness. Um, uh, because that's what can connect you to what's deeper and allow for that healing to flow. Um, so I'll toss that out initially. And then I, specifically, I mean, through the Archdiocese of Seattle, um, like I say, we have all those ministries that, uh, so if you have a loved one that is incarcerated and you want our team to reach out to that person, we can do that for you. Um, you know, if you have someone in the hospital that you want our people to reach out to, we can do that. Um, you know, um, uh, or if you're looking for resources in the realm of, of you know, di disabilities or mental health or support for immigrants and refugees, we have all that. Um, you can reach out to me at joe.cotton at seattlearch.org. And I would be happy to connect you with any of our resources, any of our ministries, or if you're wanting to be a volunteer um, and think, what would it be like to go into jails and prisons or into our hospitals or on board ships at our ports with people that are fairly isolated? Let me know, because we have all kinds of volunteer opportunities as well. That's awesome. That is, that is, that is great, Joe. Um, 
again, as we prepare to close out this session tonight, man, thank you for your time. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for your serene and peaceful spirit, uh, your transparency, your truth, your integrity. Because uh, I, I chuckled at the fact that you said, you know, you embrace being a square. Because I tell my scholars all the time, I love being weird, right? I'm a peculiar people. You know what I'm saying? I'm just built different. I'm not designed to be like you when it's a circle. I'm a square and I fit right in too. So it doesn't matter. Um, I really do appreciate that, that truth. Um, and so again, family out there listening, this is how we do it at Coaches United. You know, whatever the conversation is, we're not afraid to go there. Um, this wasn't a proselytization, right? This was not a transferring of, we want you to become this. We just want you to know that we have your back and we are here to support you. And if you need somebody to talk to, Coaches United is here. So with that being said, we're going to go ahead and close out this episode. Until next time, peace. We're Coaches United, ain't got time to be divided Won't you get excited, cause in the end you'll be delighted That you took a listen to the voices that you hear Cause it's evident, ain't no division in here Cause we're Coaches United, ain't got time to be divided Won't you get excited, cause in the end you'll be delighted That you took a listen to the voices that you hear Cause it's evident, ain't no division in here, see? We wanna thank you for tuning in to the Coaches United Podcast A podcast that has everyone in mind where everyone's differences are embraced and celebrated, where we see you, we hear you, and most importantly, we stand with you. What matters to you, matters to us. Este podcast is para toda mi gente. Ahora más que nunca, debemos estar unidos. Y cuando estamos unidos, somos más fuertes. Gracias por estar aquí con nosotros. Las culturas unidas jamás serán vencidas. Cultures United podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, and other platforms. Find our website at www.culturesunited.org or reach out to us on Instagram at Cultures United Podcast and Twitter at The Unity Podcast. Send us your questions, comments, or perspective. We want to hear from you.